We're still exploring the Ahli Bayti Rasulullah Sallallahu the family of the Prophet and we've taken a jump. We're, we're taking a generational leap and we're looking at Zainab bint Ali, right? The third child of Ali and Fatima radiallahu anhuma. And she is known as the heroine of Karbala, as the, the, the hero of Karbala. Um, she was named by the Prophet uh, Something that some people might find interesting, Sayyidina Ali actually had three daughters named Zainab, right? So she is sometimes referred to in the sources as Zainab the eldest or Zainab the elder. It's said that at Karbala, and this is, you know, subhanAllah, you know, sometimes we don't talk about Nusayba enough. We don't talk about, you know, we actually have a tradition عنها, of women that were warriors. Yes, some women would stay home and, and, and taking care of their households. And that there is nothing that in my book uh, parallels or rivals that struggle. But some women, because of their, I guess, unique aptitude or unique inclination for it, they actually went out and engaged as warriors. Uh, and, they and they displayed that kind of bravery. Zainab bint Ali anha, is known as the heroine of Karbala, not because she fought, but when Zain al-Abideen was sentenced to death, she threw her body over her nephew and she said, you must kill me if you want to kill him. And she was ready to sacrifice her life. And this is what earned her uh, the title, the heroine of Karbala, and this is what literally saved the life of uh, Zain al-Abideen. Like many of the members of the household of the Prophet you know, she married uh, her cousin, Abdullah ibn Jafar, and they were very wealthy, uh, but they were known for zuhud. And you see this theme again and again coming up in the lives of the people of the, the family of the Prophet And it's an interesting parallel, you know, we're not actually, shara'an, you know, by the dictates of Islamic law, we're not actually allowed to give zakat to members of the Prophet family. Uh, which shows that there is no nepotism in this message. There is no preferential treatment. There's love, there's esteem, and there's looking at the family of the Prophet as our rightful exemplars, but there is not this, you know, my family gets to collect and, and, and keep money because they're my family. and None of that occurred, right? So she, she was very wealthy, but she was known for zuhud. She was known for charity. She's also identified with the tradition of pious defiance. So when, after Karbala, she was brought into the, the court of, of Yazid, her defiance was visible. And in one report, Yazid said, who is this arrogant woman? And she said, I am Zainab bint Ali, the daughter of Ali and Fatima and the granddaughter of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And even as she made her way back to uh, Iraq, she would stop and she would, she would speak her mind freely and she was unafraid of anything or anyone. And this is why there's so much debate uh, surrounding 
the, the, the occasion of her passing. Some people say she passed away in Damascus. And this is why you have a masjid in Damascus, Masjid Sayyida Zainab. Some people say she was assassinated en route to Cairo. And this is why you have the Masjid Sayyida Zainab in Cairo. So, because she moved very freely. And even though she was in a position where people would say, you know, you should, you should just be still and, you know, there's some political tension. She moved very freely and she was unafraid. As I was, uh, you know, researching, preparing and, and learning about Zainab and Ali in preparation, you know, for, you know, this uh, presentation, I learned that she created gender specific settings in which women could learn. And I think that this is important. I think there is still something special about women learning from other women, men learning from other men. And so this um, tradition um, that is related to Zainab bin Ali, that she created specific settings in which women could learn their deen. I think that's very important. I think that's you know, worth um, uh, emulating. You know, the Prophet والسلام, said, Blessed are the women of the Ansar because they did not allow ihtisham to prevent them from learning their religion. They didn't allow excessive shyness to prevent them from learning. Now, one of the uh, things that research actually shows is that sometimes, read this, is, I'm quoting, just citing research. In co-ed learning environments, learning environments in which you have men and you have women, sometimes the shyness of women will, um, you know, you know, and sometimes just them reacting to just how aggressive the, the men can be in, in the, the learning setting, the shyness of women will prevent them from really asking their questions and, and getting down to what they really want to know. And they say that that dissipates, that leaves when you have women studying with other women with a teacher that's a woman, right? It creates, a, a, sometimes certain things can be discussed much more easily, right? Now, it was a virtue of the women of the Ansar uh, that they didn't, they didn't allow that to prevent them from learning uh, their deen. Uh, that they didn't allow that kind of ihtisham or excessive shyness to prevent them from learning you know, their deen. But I think we also have to account for situations that are different. You know, maybe some sisters that would learn better in you know, gender specific environments. And to know that that was something that was recognized and acknowledged by the granddaughter of the Prophet um, you know, places women that want to do that work of creating spaces for women to learn on very firm footing. And that they know they're following the precedent of a very strong, very brave, very outspoken woman.